up the truth. In order to achieve freedom and have good success, we must meditate on the word of God, which is the word of truth, and also obey the word of truth. We must execute and apply. Application is required. Also, we can speak and pray the word of God. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11, tells us, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returns not there, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Word of God is scripturally revealed truth given by supernatural means. God's Word of truth turns you from the world's wrong way of thinking to His ways which are holy and full of righteousness. Please keep us in your prayers and we'll be praying for you. And may God continue to bless you and increase your faith in Jesus' name. Father God, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Give me your thanks, my Lord, for this day. Lord, we just give you thanks for, for all the marvelous things that you have done and yet to do, my God. Lord, yes, Lord Jesus, bless the minds that, that's on this, on this um, Sunday school line, my God. Bless the teacher, my God. Lord, you just ask you, Lord Jesus, just to keep us within your comfort, my Lord. Lord, we just ask you to, keep, to continue to to heal us, heal us in all areas in our life, my Lord. Lord, we thank you for Sister Pam and her healing. Lord, even those that we don't know, we just thank you for their healing as well. Lord, we just love you and cherish you in all our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to ask you all to turn to uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse uh, I, and our thought for today is coming from uh, verse 7. And the subject for today is, For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And I'll, I'll be reading um, uh, first again, First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. That's where our thought is coming from. And it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so um, in this chapter, we uh, this is an account because the Lord gave Samuel the prophet orders to go and anoint who he has chosen as king to replace Saul because of Saul's disobedience. And Saul became prideful, the Lord replaced him. And so let's go over to uh, 1 Samuel, same chapter, chapter 16, but I'll start reading verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. 
And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. Thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. We're reading in First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 4. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come in peace? And he said, Peaceably I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But look, listen to what the Lord says in verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Don't look at his cap on his countenance or on his height or how tall he is, because I have not, he said, I have refused him. In other words, he's not the one that I've chosen. Then he says, for the Lord sees not at man as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord is looking where you are. He's looking on the heart. Verse 8, then Jesse called Abimadad and, and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now listen to what Samuel says. Samuel says, verse 11, unto Jesse, Do you have any, uh, any more children? Are here all thy children? And Jesse says, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Now it's interesting on how, first of all, let's go back. Our thought for today is, but the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so here, Samuel had an assignment, and Jesse realized he's coming for a reason. Samuel is coming to anoint, to anoint someone. And Jesse just automatically thought, oh, it's going to be my oldest son. So he brought his oldest son. Then Samuel said it's not him. Then he brought the next one, and then he brought the next one. He brought seven sons before Samuel and had no idea that God didn't choose any of those. And how many of you all know that the man could overlook you, can pass you by, can forget about you, but when God has a calling on your life, when God chooses to anoint you, when it's the right time, then he will send the right person and he'll also have witnesses, and that's where we're going to go to. I'm in First Samuel 16 and 12. And he sent and brought him in. That is, Jesse sent for his son David and brought David in. And it says, now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord says, listen to what the Lord says, arise. He told Samuel, arise and anoint him, for this is the one that I've chosen. And listen to what happened, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And this is such a beautiful account on how when God chooses to choose a man or a woman, he will always have a witness to witness. Now, whether the witnesses agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. God told Samuel to anoint King David. And also, here's a beautiful account. 
after David was anointed, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forth. And now David is not getting ready to be projected into his position, but the anointing is on him, and now guess where he's going? Going back out into the field to keep taking care of those sheep until God calls him to the battle where the Philistines is. And once again, our thought for today, for the Lord doesn't see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord, he sees our heart. I want to go over to Job because here's another account of, we know the story of Job and what he went through, but the Lord blessed Job in his latter end because Job's heart was right. Job had friends whose heart wasn't right, and Job ended up having to pray for them. So I'm going to start reading in Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and avoided evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters, and his substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their house, everyone his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Now listen to what Job says. For Job says, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now, the Bible says in verse 1, Job was perfect. He was good. He avoided evil, and he revered the Lord. But he also understood that he was the priest of his home, and he prayed for his entire family. He prayed for his children, his sons and his daughters, because he said it may be they have cursed God in their heart. In other words, they may have sinned against God. I'm going to pray to cover them. And look at what we're in verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord says unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Now, listen to this. The Lord called Job his servant. I'm his servant. You are his servant. And there will come a time where we will be tested. Our faith will be tested. And it's, just, it's not for us to give up, but it's for us to hold on. There's a scripture, it's, um, Psalm chapter 27, verse 8, it said, I'm sorry, Psalm 27, 14. It says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know why? We're to wait because the Lord sees our hearts. He knows what we're going through. And as we are his servant, we must be faithful. We must be faithful in everything that God has called us to do. Amen. So verse 8 again, and the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and avoids evil? Then Satan answered it to the Lord and said, Does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house, about all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hand, and his substance is his priest in the land. Now listen what the enemy is saying. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, 
and he will curse thee to thy face. I'm going to stop there because we know the story. Job did not curse the Lord. He cursed the day he was born because he was in so much pain. He was going through so much suffering. The Bible says that he had sore boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, and he was in a lot of anguish and pain. And then he had friends, three of his friends who came, and instead of them being encouragers and comforting them, they began to accuse Job, and it just, they, they, were, they, were, they were very discouraging. And so I want to go over to uh, Job chapter 42, where after Job goes through his test, and he comes out of the test, and he's about to come out on the test, listen to what God says to him. Job is going to have this conversation with the Lord. The, the thought is God sees the heart. Now, Job's friends accused him because they couldn't see Job's heart. And this is, where we're, this is what we're dwelling on. You may have someone to accuse you, uh, falsely accuse you. There may be a miscommunication. There may be a misunderstanding. But God can see the heart. And the Lord knows the heart of all of his servants. And mind you, the Bible says, in our flesh dwells no good thing. But he tells us, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to go ahead and start reading in Job chapter 42, verse 41. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withholden from you. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered and I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beg thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Wherefore, I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Now, Job's heart, he didn't curse God, but he had to repent about some of the ways that he was thinking. And when he realized, after having a conversation, because <laughs> the Lord told Job, you know, he, he called Job out, and Job had to humble himself. But Job became aggravated with the things that his friends were saying, so-called friends, and also I thought about his wife. His wife told Job to curse God and die. What type of spirit was using her? Her heart wasn't right for her to speak that. Now, we know what Job told his wife. He said, you, he said, you sound like a foolish woman. But his, Job's wife had actually gotten into an agreement with an evil spirit, and she the enemy tried to use her to get Job to curse the Lord. And what we don't realize is the enemy will use anyone. He will use someone close to us. He will use an employer. He will use many people to try to get us off of track or to get us to speak against the Lord or his will. So we must be careful not to hook up with the enemy. When you speak, be careful what you're speaking and Think about what you're seeing before you release it out of your mouth. Before you speak something, is this really God speaking? Is, or is this the enemy causing confusion? Or is this the enemy because there's a misunderstanding? Or am I just saying this because I really, I, I'm, I'm just really not aware of what's going on? And, you know, the Lord says, hold our peace and he'll fight our battle. I thank God. He fights our battles for us. So here, let's go back to verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz and the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends. 
So the Lord is rebuking Job's friends. For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job. Now, the Lord did not call Eliaphaz his servant. He called Job the servant. Even though Job was attacked by the enemy and he was being persecuted by his friends, Job was still the one that God saw his heart was right. Look at verse 8. Therefore, this is the Lord telling the three so-called friends of Job, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept. So the one, because the Lord saw Job's heart, the one that everyone accused and said, you must have done something wrong, and that's why you've been attacked. You must have did this and you did that. There must be some hidden sins. The one that they accused falsely, now the Lord is saying, you take a sacrifice and go to him, and he's going to pray for you. You take that sacrifice, a burnt offering, for your sins, and my servant Job is going to pray for you. Otherwise, he says, lest I deal with you after your folly means foolishness, and that you have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. So the three friends of Job, they do what the Lord says. But look at verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. He reversed everything that was that had happened, all the bad that had happened to Job. He reversed it because Job retained his integrity and he never cursed God. And when Job prayed for his friends, it says, so here the Lord, the Lord healed Job after Job prayed for his friends. And then it says, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Look at the blessings of the Lord because Job held on to his faith he held on to his integrity because his heart was right, even though he was persecuted. On the end, the latter end, God blessed Job. Let's look at verse 16. It says, after this lived Job 140 years. That means after his trial, after God reversed everything that had happened to him and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. The Lord blessed Job. He held on. He didn't give up. Because his heart was right with the Lord. I have a few more examples I want to go over to Esther. Esther chapter um, 7, verse 1. Esther chapter 7, verse 1. Thank you, Father. Okay. So Esther, um, the queen, the queen, the previous queen, she was banished, and Esther was the one that was chosen um, by God, this was ordained by God for her to be in a place for such a time as this. But I want to read what the king says, because there was an enemy. His name was Haman, and Haman hated the Jews. God placed Esther into the palace, and the king accepted her and chose her as his new queen, and she had favor not only with God and the people, but favor with the king. And the Bible never says that the king knew the Lord. But because her heart was right, not only was she saved, but her whole entire nation was saved. Her heart was right. Okay, I'm going to read um, Esther 7 and 1. And so the king Haman, and I'm sorry, I want to just share that Esther invited the enemy of the Jews, his name was Haman, and her husband, the king, to a dinner, a banquet. And at the banquet is where Esther is going to reveal to the king 
that Haman is actually the enemy. We are in Esther chapter 7, verse 1. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther, the queen. And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted to thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther, the queen, answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, it says, Lord, if I found favor in your hear my humble cry. I'm desperately waiting to be where you are. And Esther had favor with God. She said, I found favor in your sight, O king. And if it pleased the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold. I am my people to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king, Ahasuerus, answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that dare presume in his heart to do so? Now Haman had a wicked heart, but Esther's heart was right, and God is going to fight for her. Once again, we don't know. There is no account that this king knew the Lord or the God of Israel that Esther was serving. But God gave her a favor because her heart was right. Listen to what he says. This is what she said in verse 6. And Esther said, the adversary, the enemy, is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king arose from the banquet of wine in his anger and wrath and went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make requests for his life to Esther, the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Amen. Um, we're going to go over to, we were talking about Esther and how good God is to rescue Esther and save her because her heart was right, but the enemy of the Jews, his name was Haman. Haman hated the Jews, and he received his just recompense of reward for hating the people. What the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for the good because Queen Esther, had, her heart was in the right place. I'm going to go over to Ruth and chapter 2 and um, read, start reading in verse 14. Thank you, Lord God. Ruth, chapter 2. Now, Ruth was a widower. She lost her husband. And actually, Ruth was a Moabite, and she she met a, a uh, she met a family of Jewish people. Well, the husband passed away, the brother-in-law passed away, and the father-in-law passed away. And we're going to just go right to the point, verse 14, I'm going to read verse 14 and 19. Here's another example of our thought for today once again is, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So Ruth here, she met a woman named Naomi who knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She became her daughter-in-law, and Ruth's heart was in the right place, and God left her latter end. So once again, we're going to start reading in Ruth chapter 2, verse 14. Thank you, Lord God. Actually, Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. 
And this is the conversation that Ruth is having with her mother-in-law. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave or hung on to her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law, this is Naomi speaking to Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her God. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge or live or settle down, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death separate you and me. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So the two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? Amen. So we know the the story. Naomi was very disheartened and discouraged because she went out with three. When she came back, she only had one. And I'm going to go ahead and um, read. Let's go to chapter two and to Boaz because Ruth went out. Ruth was such a good daughter-in-law. Her heart was right. She knew that in order to take care of her mother-in-law, that she needs to go out and work. So she went on the field so that she could pick corn or grain or whatever they had so that she could sell it and, and have food for the household. And verse chapter 2, Ruth chapter 2, verse 11, here's Boaz, well, verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. Because Ruth, actually, the Lord led her to Boaz's field and Boaz is now, he owns it, and he's actually a relative of Ruth's husband, but she didn't know it at the time. And verse 10, this is their conversation. Actually, I'm going to go up to verse 8 and start reading. This is his conversation. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Here, hearest thou not, my daughter? Do not go and gleam in another field, neither go from here, but stay or abide here fast by my mate. Let your eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. I Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee or bother thee? And when thou art thirsty, go to the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. And listen to Ruth. Then she fell on her face, and she bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in your eyes that you should take knowledge or pay attention to me, saying I am a stranger? So Ruth was a stranger in a strange land. But because she, her heart was right and she accepted the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, she told Naomi, your God is going to be my God. God blessed her, and God led her to a place where she could be blessed. And the Lord had someone to notice her. She didn't think much of herself, but God had Boaz to notice her. And look what Boaz said in verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It has been fully shown me or told me all that you have done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thy husband, and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of thy nativity, and are coming to the people which thou knewest not. And listen to what he says. The Lord recompense or reward your work and give you a full reward of the Lord, and a full reward be given to you of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou have come to trust. Hallelujah. And that is what the Lord is saying. Because I, the Lord, 
I do not look at you the same way man is looking at you. Man is looking on the outside. Man just see what they want to see. But God, he sees your heart. And we are under the wings of God. And we must trust him with all of our heart and not lean to our own understanding. But in all of our ways, we must acknowledge him. And he will direct our path. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to Psalm 19 and 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord God, be acceptable in thy sight because, oh, Lord, you are our strength and you are our redeemer. And, Father, I do pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that as we humble ourselves before you, as we continue to seek your faith, Lord God, as you have called us to, Lord God, may we not lean to our own understanding. May we trust in you with all of our heart, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And may we depend on you to to, to direct our pathway. In Jesus' name is my prayer. Amen. God bless everyone on the line. And we do love you all. The Lord is faithful. We must stay faithful to him. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen.